If you would turn with me in the scriptures this evening, we're going to release our faith for utterance and light, truth. We're going to Mark chapter 9, in about verse 17 here, I think. Mark 9, 17, the story is told here, we've gone into some detail about it, how that uh, Jesus went up on the mountaintop with the three disciples and the glory of the Lord was manifested and his clothes and his person became glistening white, whiter than any snow, whiter than any natural white. And there appeared to them Moses and Elijah who had lived many, many, many years ago on the earth and talking with them. And they talked to him about what was about to happen with him. And uh, then the Father God spoke out of heaven and they all heard it audibly and said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Then when they came down out of this amazing, glorious experience, there was upheaval and turmoil down at the base of the mountain with the disciples because the uh, religious leaders were mocking them and making fun of them, ridiculing them because of their failure to get a boy set free who had had all these seizures and all these problems. Apparently they had prayed for him and did everything they knew how to do and to no avail. Nothing happened. And so then when Jesus got there, the father of the boy came and said, Master, I've brought to you my son who has a dumb spirit. Let's read on down verse 23 from here until 23. He said he takes him and tears him and foams and gnashes with his teeth. He pines away. He's in an awful condition. I spoke to your disciples that they should cast him out and they could not. And Jesus answered him, and you can tell he's looking not just to the man, but to the whole group down there. And he's saying, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? So what's the problem down here? Not only with the disciples, but with the whole bunch? Faithless. 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 Now there's a problem that Someone of the people, church going people, have got it in their mind that all of us are doing pretty good on faith. <laughs> but for some reason, we're not seeing and getting as much results as we'd like to, and we're trying to figure out what might be the cause of that. But we're faith people. So faith couldn't really be the, the problem that much. <laughs> we're sure we could use a little more, but, but basically, we have a lot of faith. <laughs> and that's simply not true. I said it's simply not true. We, we've given a lot of scripture to show that. We're going to go over some more. What was the problem here? Faith what? Faith what? Less. Faithless. Now we went into detail last time. The disciples came after this situation, after Jesus ministered to this boy. They came to Jesus privately and said, why couldn't we do that? Because they had been doing it. And if you put Matthew's account with this one and also with Luke, his answer to them was because of your unbelief. That's why you couldn't do it. And then he went on to say, uh, this kind comes not up but by prayer and fasting. And we talked about the connection between prayer and fasting and having faith. 
you know, some people have taken these verses and, and developed doctrines that are not accurate. And so uh, they, they say, well, you, you, you have to pray it out or you have to fast it out. No, Jesus didn't pray it out, nor did he fast it out. He cast it out. If that had been what he's talking about, then he would have done this differently. He would have said, come on, guys, let's kneel down here and pray. We're going to have to pray and fast until this boy gets delivered. That's not what he did. No, the praying and fasting helps them rectify their situation of unbelief. And we see there's carnality involved. They were arguing among themselves who was going to be the greatest. And he talked to them about how that is a worldly mentality. And the more worldly we are, the weaker we'll be in faith. I said the more worldly we are, you, me, all of us, the weaker we're going to be in faith. The more we think like the world. And the world is proud and selfish and self-centered and unbelieving and fearful and doubting. And so even though we're in the world, we don't want to be conformed to this world. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so we need to draw near to him and let him draw near to us. And we need to hear his words and be in his presence and put our flesh under and pull out of all this ungodliness and worldliness. And if we do, our faith will get stronger. I said our faith will get stronger. And then what was impossible will become reachable. It'll become receivable. Do you see this, saints? So uh, many have just formulated new doctrines. They, what would happen? I mean, same thing with a lot of people today. If I had prayed for somebody and they didn't receive, or somebody else did, so there's a lot of people who say, "Well, see, that proves that it's not always God's will." Maybe God, there's some reason why that person has that disease or has that thing. We don't, we, we shouldn't question the will of God. Well, that's not what Jesus said. I said, that's not what Jesus said. What did Jesus tell them the reason was why they prayed and got no results? Unbelief. Right? Unbelief. Well, why are we going to let uh, theologians and scholars tell us something different than what Jesus told us? If that was the reason then, it's the reason now. Oh, but is there a cure for unbelief? If you can get your unbelief cured, you can get your body cured. If you can get your unbelief fixed, you can get your bills paid. Come on, are you with me? But we must not go around pretending. Keep reading this. He said, faithless generation. You can tell it's irritating to him. Well, what a a drastic change coming out of the glory into this. (laughs) And he said, verse 20, they brought him to him and straightway when he saw him, the spirit tore him and he fell on the ground, wallowed foaming. Keep going. He asked his father, how long is it ago since this came to him? He said, of a child. Oftentimes it's cast him into the fire and waters to destroy him. If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. So this is a case. It's been this way a long, long time. Nobody can help. It's a seeming, incurable, unfixable, impossible thing. 
And with men, even the best in their field, there's all kind of things men can't fix. Is that right? Just a fact. But when men tell us it can't be fixed, what they should say is we don't know how. Because the truth is, there is somebody that can fix it. It it actually can be fixed. He said, but this man says, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And in verse 23, Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Come on, say it out loud. All things are possible to him that believes. Say it again. All things are possible to him that believes. One more time. All things are possible to who? To him that believes. To him that believes. To him that believes. And the man said what? Straightway the father cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. So many times people are in this situation. We've been in this situation again and again and again. The Lord will meet you where you are. But not where you're pretending to be. <laughs> and you got to get real with him. There's no need in acting like you're in faith when you're not. Playing games. Pretending that you are. Now the scripture, go with me to 1 Timothy if you would. 1 Timothy 1. And you'll see in the beginning of 1 Timothy, also the beginning of 2 Timothy. He talks about faith and he uses a descriptor. A word describing a type of faith. In 1 Timothy 1 in the 5th verse. 1 Timothy 1.5. You believing with me? There's some really good things you and I can get to if we'll stay hooked. The Lord wants us to have manifestations. (laughs) It's not like we're waiting on God to decide to do something. He's been ready. He's always ready. What's the hindrance? Unbelief. Now notice he said... The end of the commandment is charity, love out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. Everybody say faith unfeigned. Faith unfeigned. unfeigned. If you go to 2 Timothy 1.5, that's 1 Timothy 1.5, go to 2 Timothy 1.5, you see a very similar thing. He said, when I call to remembrance the what? Unfeigned faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. I know a lot of people say Eunice. And I'm persuaded that in you also. He said this faith was in your grandmother. This faith was in your mother and I'm persuaded it's in you. And what kind of faith is it? Unfeigned faith. Now, one place where the word feign is there in Second Peter 2, it's from the Greek word we get our word plastic from. <laughs> Plastos. Plastic, meaning artificial or false. 
Is there a plastic faith? And this word here in 2 Timothy 1.5, unfeigned, it's from the Greek word, we get our word, the root word, uh, hypocrisy. Hypocrisy, which means a stage player, an actor, a pretender. Is there a pretend faith? There has to be. Or else he wouldn't talk about an unpretend. Feign means plastic, phony, pretend. Unfeigned, of course, would mean it's not pretend faith. It's real faith. It's real faith. And uh, it's just a fact that amongst so many church-going folks, there's a lot of pretend. There's a lot of phoniness. I don't know if people might not like to talk about it, but it's also learned. Somebody that had phony faith taught other folks. And so they got some phony faith too. You know the big problem with phony faith? You can go on and on and on and you make a good show and it looks kind of like faith and it sounds kind of like faith. Well, if it, I mean, if it's phony, you know, I talk about our first home that Phyllis and I had. And if you've ever heard me talk about it, we talk about the genuine imitation leather sofa. <laughs> what does that mean? Plastic. <laughs> it had a cowhide print stamped onto it to make it look like it had some grain. But it's not leather. It's plastic. Right? But it, it looks like leather, especially from a distance. <laughs> but the closer you get and the closer you examine it, especially if you sit on it for a while... <laughs> You begin to realize this is not genuine leather. (laughs) Well, that's exactly what he's talking about here. There is something that looks like faith. It sounds like faith, especially from a distance. And especially uh, to those who don't know much about faith themselves either. But it's not real faith. It's phony. It's pretend. Now, why would that be? What's going on with that? Can you see this man when he cries out, Lord, I believe. What else did he say? Is he trying to pretend to Jesus that he's got more faith than he actually does? No. How many think that would be an ignorant thing to do? Is he not going to know where you are? What you're doing? You might be able to con some folks, but you can't kid God. About where you are and what you believe and what you don't. We can either act like we're super spiritual and pretend like we got all this faith and get nothing, or we can get real about where we are and get something. Even if our faith is not where we'd like for it to be, even if the miracle we get is not the most spectacular thing you've ever heard, still it's better to get something than nothing. Is that right? It's it's better to have a victory. It's better to make some progress than to just pretend. 
Try to kid, try to con. Is there a phony faith? There's got to be. Else why does he keep talking about unfeigned? If there's unfeigned faith, there's got to be feigned faith, which is phony, pretend. Now, uh, go with me, please, over to the book of uh, Romans, the 10th chapter, please. We um, got into some detail last time showing scriptures that reveal that not everybody has faith. Jesus talked about great faith. He talked about little faith. And he talked about no faith. Let me remind you of a few verses. You, you don't have to turn to these, but just listen. 2 Thessalonians 3.2 says, Not all men have faith. The NIV says, Not everyone has faith. Deuteronomy 32.20 talks about, uh, he said, They're a froward generation, children in whom is no faith. Mark 4, 40, Jesus said to them during that storm there on the lake, he said, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? How much faith did they have out there that night? No faith. It's not a fact that they didn't use it. They didn't have it because of choices they had made. And uh, in Luke 8, 25, the Lord said to them, where is your faith? Where's your faith? Luke 18, 8 says, when the son of man comes, shall he find faith on the earth? When the Lord returns, faith is not going to be plentiful everywhere throughout the population. Faith, real faith, is precious beyond words and it's rare. Listen to uh, 2 Peter 1.1. 1, 1. He talks about like precious faith. And 1 Peter 1.7 says, Your faith that's more precious than gold, that's tried by fire, it'll be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now this is almost bigger than some folks dare to believe. The master is going to praise people's faith. He already did it when he walked the earth, didn't he? Didn't he say on a couple of occasions, now you didn't see this all the time, but a couple of occasions he said, now that's some great faith. I hadn't seen faith like that through this whole nation. And he remarked about it and he made a big deal out of it. Why? Because faith pleases God, always has, always will. But not everything that people call faith is faith. So we need to distinguish the phony from the real, don't we? Anybody besides me in here interested in some real faith, real faith? You know one way you can tell it's real faith? It works. It gets results. You get answers. Things happen. Glory to God. We're making progress. We're going to get rid of the junk and get the real. Are you ready? Yes. Pray it out loud. Father God, Father God open, my eyes, open my eyes, my ears, my, ears, my heart, my, heart, my, mind. my mind. Show me, Show me the, difference the difference between fake faith, between fake faith and, real faith. and real faith. I ask it in Jesus' name. I, I, believe, I, I believe I receive 
I thank you for it. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Are you expecting that? Then that was some real faith right there. (laughs) Can you see that? Thank you, Lord. In Romans, the 10th chapter, Romans 10 and 8, he said, uh, what saith it? The word is near you, it's close to you, even in your mouth. Well, your mouth is close now, isn't it? Can you find your mouth? Is it close? Right here. And your heart, where's your heart at? Well, it's in here. That's not talking about your blood pump. In just a moment, we'll see that you, with the heart, man believes. Well, you can't believe God with your physical heart any more than you can believe God with your lung or your kidney. Your heart's the core of your being. You know, you understand this. People say the heart of the watermelon, that's the core. The heart of a pine tree, the heart of an oak, that's what he's talking about. It's close to you, in your mouth, in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Do you know uh, Paul was a faith guy? (laughs) Word of faith's been around a long time. Keep going. If that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will have a miracle in you. You'll be born again. You'll be saved. Is it true? You already know how to get a miracle. Anybody in here born again? I want to know. Anybody in here, you received Jesus and you were born again. You've already received a greater miracle than any physical healing. You've already received that. So don't let anybody tell you you can't receive a miracle. You already have. You're a new creation from what you used to be on the inside. That's a miracle. I said, that's a miracle. You went from being a child of darkness and the devil to a child of God and a child of the light. Nature of of the enemy to the nature of God himself. God's your father. You're born of him. What a miracle. I said, what a miracle. And you received that, didn't you? With your faith. How'd you do it? You believed it in your heart? You believed what? You believed what you heard about Jesus. And you confessed his lordship with your mouth. And you were saved and you are saved. Said out loud, I already have believed for miracles. I can believe for miracles. I can. I've already done it. And I'll do it again. And again, and again, I know how. It's not complicated. Verse 10, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness. Now this, as every word of this always is, so significant. What part of your being do you believe God with? What? Not your head. You don't believe God with your head. You don't believe God with your intellect. You don't believe God with your emotions or with your desires. You believe God with what? Your heart. And again, that's not your physical blood pump, obviously. 
That's the core of your being, the inside. You believe God with your heart. Say it out loud, with the heart. heart. Man believes. believes. Now is your heart the same thing as your head? No. No, it's not. We're already beginning to discern phony faith. Because these other things are not, not of the heart. Not real. With the mouth, confession's made into salvation. Keep reading. The scripture says, whoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. Who will this work for? Whoever will do it. I don't care who you are, where you come from, what your background is or isn't. If you'll do it, it'll work for you. It'll work for you. Whoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. Keep reading down here for a few verses now. There's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. The same Lord over all is rich unto all who call upon him. Glory. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Is that a miracle? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Answer that for me if you would. They can't, they won't. So they have to believe. Calling is an action. You're not going to have action until you have believing. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Answer that for me. They can't, they won't. You can't have believing before you have hearing. Are we talking about real faith? Are we talking about how to have real faith? How to get real faith? How to have real faith? We already see real faith has action. Faith without works is dead. In this instance, the action is calling. But you're not going to act if you don't believe. And you're not going to believe if you haven't heard. And... How shall they hear without a preacher? Can you? Can you? Can you hear without a preacher? Are you sure? (laughs) You know, uh, I had a friend of mine one time who was getting his doctorate in divinity. And I don't have a doctorate in divinity. I'm not knocking that at all. I'm just saying I don't. And he was getting his. And he and I were friends. We went way back to teenage years. And... uh, I was asking him at one point about some of these things. And uh, we were involved in a project where we were getting a lot of books of Brother Hagin's into some other countries in their languages. And he challenged me and asked me, why weren't we just sending Bibles? And I really didn't know exactly how to answer him on that. She's certainly not going to say that one of Brother Hagin's books <laughs> is more important or just as important as the Bible. So then why would you? Did it say, how shall they hear without a Bible? How shall they hear without a Bible? See, there's a lot of people who tell you, all I need is me and my Bible and God. I don't believe in organized church and organized religion. Well, I'd agree with you on that one. (laughs) I believe in church, but not man's religion. 
All I need is me and God and my Bible. I'm closer to God out in the woods or out on the beach at sunrise or sunset, communing with nature. I can hear from God so much better. No, you can't. You can hear from God. Yes, you can. But not everything you need. You cannot get everything you need from God by yourself. Because he has chosen to give you things through other body parts. And if you won't receive them, he's not going to change and adapt to you and say, well, forget about that. I'll just give it to you directly anyway. Not going to happen. Now, I know not everybody believes this, but if you'll study the scriptures, you'll come to this conclusion. There are a lot of things that don't come to you directly from the head. They come to you through other body parts from the head. And God has ordained it because he wants there to be this connection and fellowship between you and these other body parts. There's supposed to be unity because together we can get so much more done than apart. Hold your hand up here. Move it. Why can that hand do that? Why can't it? Well, it's got to have blood flow. And it's got to have nerve flow particularly. Why is this hand doing it instead of this other one? Or instead of my foot? Because my brain. I said my brain is directing this hand and fingers what to do. But is it coming from here wirelessly Wi-Fi if you will through to my hand is it coming from the head to the hand directly no it is not it's coming through the neck it's coming through the shoulder it's coming through the upper arm it's coming through the elbow and the lower arm it's coming through the wrist what if the hand says I don't need shoulders I don't need necks I don't need upper arms, I don't need elbows, and I sure don't need wrists. Just me and the head. Just me and the head, that's all I need. That's all I need. Me and the head. (laughs) What if the hand and the wrist have a complete falling out? And they won't even communicate with each other anymore. They get offended at one another. Is that going to be a problem for the hand? Yes, it is. Because there's a lot of stuff that comes to the hand through. It's coming from the head, but it's not coming directly from the head to the hand. It's coming through other body parts. That's one of the reasons he told us, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. That's why you need to be in a good church. That's why you need to be on these service teams. You need these connections. You need these friends. Is that right? You need this fellowship. How many of you have gotten things from the head, but it came through other parts? It came through other people. You know you did. You know you did. When you got saved, filled with the Spirit, all these other things, how will they call on Him in whom they've not believed? Tell me the answer. They won't. They can't. And they won't. How shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? They can't and they won't. 
How shall they hear without a preacher? Do you need a preacher? Why didn't it just say Bible? Like I told you, I was a little bit stumped when this guy, this friend asked me, well, why are y'all sending these books? Why don't you just send Bibles? We need Bibles. Don't you misunderstand me? But we also need the gifts that God has given to men. Didn't the Bible say in Ephesians, he gave the head on high, has given gifts to men. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Till we all grow up and come into the full measure of Christ. Maturity. Are these gifts necessary? Why? Because of the anointing. I said because of the anointing. You're not going to read the Bible with the same anointing that somebody's going to preach it to you with. Yes, you can get things for yourself. You should be getting things for yourself directly from the Holy Spirit, directly out of the Bible on a daily basis. Certainly, yes, yes, yes. But you won't be able to get it all that way. God has ordained. That a number of things we're going to get through these ministry gifts. Well, let me ask you. Have you ever read a portion of scripture? Three times. Five times. Ten times. Twenty times. Fifty times. And then somebody preached it to you and you thought, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. That's been in there. All that time, why didn't you get it the previous 50 times? Why didn't you get it? Because it didn't come to you in that anointing until through that ministry. Didn't the Bible say in 1 John 2, the anointing teaches us. The anointing teaches us of all things. Now this is very significant. Very significant in discerning real faith from phony faith. Because keep reading, keep reading. Let's read this again. How will they call in him in whom they've not believed? Help me out. They can't and they won't. How shall they believe in him in whom they've not heard? They can't. They won't. You got to believe before you're going to act on it. And you got to hear something before you're going to believe something. No getting around this. And how shall you hear something that brings faith without a preacher? You need that anointing. I said you need that anointing on the ministry of that word to quicken that word to you. People say, well, just stand on the word. It's a big book. <laughs> There's a lot in here. Are you telling me, well, just, just pick any, any, any of it is good. Are you sure? Just pick and it says, and so-and-so begat so-and-so. And that is your deliverance scripture? Are you sure about that? Is that going to bring the faith you need? To get out of debt and get your baby healed? If the Lord said it was, then it would. But no, it is not just randomly and indiscriminately picking a verse. Keep reading. How shall they preach except they be sent? Now that's just as true as the rest of it. Somebody can call their self. 
and just decide they're going to be a preacher. Somebody can go to school and get degrees, but that doesn't mean they're anointed, and that doesn't mean you'll get faith from hearing what they're saying. Some so-called teaching and preaching is actually faith robbing. If you listen to too much of it, it'll rob you of faith. (laughs) You're not going to get faith from hearing preaching and teaching unless someone actually is called and sent and anointed because it's not the human being that's bringing that faith to you. It's the anointing. I said it's the anointing. And no man or woman anoints themselves. You can't. How will they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Hallelujah. I know I'm your preacher, a lot of you, but are you thankful for your preachers? Oh, I'm thinking about my preachers right now. I'm thinking about the first time Phyllis and I heard anything on being redeemed from the curse. Heard about walking by faith. Heard about by his stripes we were healed. I grew up in church, but I hadn't heard that. And if I read it, I didn't get it. But they preached it under the anointing. And for the first time in my life, I saw it. I saw it. It went off in me. Hallelujah, like a Roman candle. And I thought, glory to God, this is real. I don't have to live like this. We can be blessed. We can come out. We can be healed. We can get our needs met. I can find the will of God and do it. We can find the plan and fulfill it. Well, what is that? That's faith. Faith came to me. Faith came to her. From what? From what? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Brother Kenneth Hagin, Miss Aretha Hagin, in heaven now, they will always have a place in my heart throughout eternity. Their feet are beautiful to me. How many of you feel the same way? Brother Kenneth and Miss Gloria Copeland, their feet are beautiful to me. They've been doing what they do for, what, four plus decades? And uh, glory to God, beautiful. I said beautiful. Why? Because I wasn't getting it. How many will be honest and say, yeah, I wasn't getting it. I was not getting it. Until God sent them across my path and sent us across their path and I begin to get it. I begin to get it. I begin, I begin to get what? I begin to get faith. Real. Mountain moving. World overcoming. God pleasing. Faith. I know I'm shouting. It's exciting. It's big. It's real. I said it's real. So that's why we weren't just sending Bibles. A lot of them had Bibles. They weren't getting that out of the Bible for themselves. They needed this. Come on, can you see this? You know you need a Bible. You probably need 25. But is that enough? No, you need more. And you don't just need more. You have more. God has given us. Hasn't he given us? He gave gifts to men. And he's ordained that we, our faith come through these instruments. Now keep reading. 
Verse 16. But they've not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Now, you know, even though it's anointed, you don't have to believe it. You can shut it down. You can say, no, I don't go for that. I don't go along with all that. But verse 17. How do you get real faith? How do you get real faith? So then, this is the conclusion of all these things he said, right? The summary. So then faith comes. Everybody say faith comes. comes. Now, Now you see cometh is in italics there. And it's not in the original text right here. But it is in Galatians. I'm going to show you in just a moment. So it is a fact and a truth that faith comes. And that's well, that seems unnecessary. No, it's necessary. Just, just hang with me. Faith does what? Faith comes. How does it come? By what method? By what means? It comes by hearing. And, but and that should have been enough. If that's all we're saying, faith comes by hearing, why not just put a period right here? No. He's reiterating what he just got through saying in these previous verses and hearing by the word of God. Now, most of your modern translations don't have that. They have the word of Christ, which is accurate. And Christ means anointed. Isn't that what we've been talking about this whole time? How does faith come? By hearing Not just a mechanical, mental hearing, but what kind of hearing? Hearing by the word of the anointed one. Look these things up for yourself. Don't don't just take my word for it. It's the word of the Christ. I believe I have some other translations right here I can read to you. Now, all of this flows together. The faith comes... Not just because it bounced off of your ears, but it comes because of the anointing. Is it possible to hear and not hear? Oh, yeah. Yeah. How many times Jesus said, him that has ears to hear? Let him hear. hear. Well, why would he say that? A lot of people had these things on the side of their head. What's he talking about? Faith comes by hearing. And hearing... By the word of God. Hold your place there and go to Galatians 3. Galatians 3 and 23. Now, cometh was added by the translators in in verse 17 there. But here, it's in the text. I just want to notice these phrases. Galatians 3.23. Before faith came. Before faith did what? Came. Came. What does that mean, faith came? Skip down to verse 25. But after that faith is come. What does that mean? Was there a time when faith wasn't there? And then what happened? Faith came and it was there. This should be obvious, but I want to reiterate it. Was there a time when you weren't in faith about Jesus and you weren't in faith about being saved you weren't in faith about your name being written in the Lamb's book of life but what happened what happened 
You called on the name of the Lord. You confessed Jesus as Lord of your life. Why? Because you believed something. Why did you believe something? Because you heard something. How did you hear it? Because somebody by the anointing preached it to you. And they were able to do it because they were sent. Anointed. And when it happened, faith wasn't there, but it came. I said, it came. It came because you received the word, you believed the word, you embraced the word, and faith came into your heart from that anointed word. It wasn't there, and then it came, and it was there. (laughs) And that's one of the big reasons you're sitting up in here tonight, (laughs) right? Because elsewise you wouldn't be here. You'd be somewhere else doing something else. And the same way faith came to be born again is the way faith comes for everything. Whether it's a healing or your bills getting paid or whatever it is, works the same way for everything. Listen to uh, back in Romans now. Romans 10, 17. I'm going to read a couple of translations to you. The Weiss translation says, Romans 10, 17. So then faith is out of the source of that which is heard. And that which is heard is through the agency of the word concerning Christ. English standard says faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. The NAS, New American Standard, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. That's an accurate, literal translation. How does faith come? Not by praying for faith. Not by people laying hands on you and giving you some faith. That's not how it comes. I said that's not how it comes. How does it come? It comes by hearing and not just the sound of the words bouncing off your eardrums. It comes by the word of the anointing. The anointing, the quickening word. And when you know you've heard from God and the light comes, faith comes. When the light comes, faith is there. When you know you've heard from God, faith came with it. Now you got genuine faith. I think sometimes people have tried, they've gone too quickly to the standing part. Standing in faith. They've rushed to it too quick. You are not able to stand in faith until you have faith. And how do you get faith? Too many have rushed past the hearing the anointed word part. When you got an impossible situation, when you've got something that nobody knows how to fix... What do you need? You need a miracle. You need faith in God. Because to those that have faith, those that believe, nothing's impossible. So how are you going to get faith? How are you going to get faith? Here's where many have made a mistake. You don't have faith just because you want something. You don't have faith just because you desire something. You don't have faith just because you need it. You can't have faith just on that basis. 
Selah. How do you get faith? You have to hear from him. I said you have to hear from him. Not just somebody reading the Bible. Not just you putting your eyes across the page of a book. You have to hear from him for yourself. You got to hear from him. I said you got to hear from him. You have to hear from him for yourself. And when you have heard from him for yourself about that thing, faith comes. Faith comes. Many have decided, I'm just going to believe this. I'm going to believe for this. I'm going to believe for the other. And they really didn't hear from God. And so they stand and they stand and they confess and they confess. And it doesn't come to anything. Because it's not real faith. We're talking about understanding the difference. Go with me to Matthew, please. Don't let this be too simple for you. It's very important. Matthew, 14th chapter. Matthew 14. Let's look at an example of real faith seeing the impossible. Is this a fairy tale, this book that we have here? Or did it really happen? Did it really happen? Really happened. Matthew 14. There was the miracle of the multiplying of the loaves and the fishes. The feeding of the multitude. 5,000 men beside the women and children. And in Matthew 14.22. Matthew 14.22. Straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and go before him to the other side. While he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Is that true? I said, is that true? You know a lot of people don't believe that. They laugh at that. They mock that. But is it possible... By faith. Now Jesus is doing this as a man. Now we know he did it as a man. Because another man did it. Who was definitely not virgin born. Talking about Peter. Who was definitely not the son of God. Whose mistakes are recorded. And yet he did it. So we know Jesus did it. He walked on the water As a man. Reckon how he did it. He did it by faith. Is it possible? Do all things become possible? By faith. Jesus went to them. Walking on the sea. Somebody needs to say I believe it. I believe it. I believe it just like it says it. Verse 26. Keep going. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. And they said, it's a spirit. A lot of folks today would say, it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear, which is enemy of faith number one. 
And you believe with me, we're going to get into this later. Because this is one of the big, if not the biggest enemy our faith has. Is this right here? Being afraid. Fear. They cried out and said, it's a spirit. And they were afraid. And straightway, Jesus spoke to them. And what did he say? Be of good cheer. It's me. What? Don't be afraid. How many times have you read this in the Bible? When an angel came on the scene, when God spoke to his people, when Jesus spoke to people, how many times? Again and again. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Fear not. Now, if it didn't make any difference where they were or not, why would he say it? Why didn't he just say, oh, guys, cry all you want to. I'm going to take care of this for you. (laughs) It don't really matter what you do. I'm the son of God. I'll do this. Did it matter whether they're full of fear or not? Why? Because it's only through faith that we see these miraculous things happen. And if the Lord can't get us out of fear, we're not going to see it. We're not going to have it. Because we're not believing. Verse 28. Peter answered and said, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come out there to you. On the water. That's pretty good. I said, that's pretty good. (laughs) If it is you. (laughs) It's dark out there. It's stormy. When's the last time you saw some human being walking across the water? (laughs) They are shaking, man. But, but, if it is, I got to get in on this. Huh? You got to remember, they travel with him every day. They eat with him. They're in services with him. They know him much more as a man than as the Savior. Lord, if that's you, bid me come to you on the water. I want to stop right here. Does Peter have faith to walk on the water? Huh? No. Absolutely not. Is he walking on the water? No. Why is he still in the boat? I said, why is he still in the boat? He doesn't have faith to walk on the water. You don't have faith for something because you want it. Just because you want to do it does not mean you have faith to do it. Just because you need to do it does not mean you have faith to do it. Tell me how faith comes. Faith comes by hearing the anointed word for that situation, for that area. Peter doesn't have faith in verse 28 to walk on the water. Does he? Well, he's still in the boat, right? When did Peter get faith to walk on the water? Does faith come? Huh? If faith comes, what does that mean? That means it wasn't there, but it came, and now it's there. Tell me how faith comes according to Romans 10 17. How does faith come? How does faith come? Has Peter heard anything 
right now, verse 28, that would cause him to have faith to be able to do this? No. So he cannot have faith to do it. He can wish. He can want. He can need. He can speculate. But if he tries to get out and walk on the water right now, he's not going to be able to. Even a little bit. Why? How do you get faith? Come on, help me, friends. How do you get faith? Faith comes by hearing. He hasn't heard anything that would give him faith to do this. And I assure you, you're not going to walk on the water without faith. When did he get faith? Come on, help help me out. When did Peter get faith to walk on the water? Verse 29. Verse 29. Jesus said, Come, come on. Do you suppose there was anointing on that word? Huh? Was there any anointing on that word? When he said, come on. Come. Peter heard it. The anointing came with it. And what else came with it? Come on, what else came with it? Faith to do what? Faith to come to Jesus. On the water came to him. And now he does have faith. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water. (laughs) Somebody say, he walked on the water. Come on, say that loud. He walked on the water. Did that really happen? Did that really? Is this a miracle? I believe it. I said, I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. So what about me having faith to walk on the water? There's a lot of water around here. I mean, we got a little pond right back here. Do I have faith to walk on the water? I hear some folks thinking, well, let's see. Let's see how much faith you got, preacher. And see, that's part of this phony faith thinking. Come on, can you see this? Because the truth is, you don't have any faith unless you've heard from God. I don't have any faith unless I've heard from God. Faith in God is based completely on hearing from God. I would have to hear from him about it in order to do it. If he told me to come, if he told me to do it, then I could believe it. And act on it. But otherwise, if I'm trying to show somebody my faith, then they're going to find out that there's nothing to it. It's a bunch of phony stuff. Somebody trying to pretend. Trying to act. Now, come on. Is that what the enemy tried to do with Jesus when he said, if you're the son of God, do what? Turn these stones into bread. What's wrong with that? Is he the son of God? Yeah. Is he, is he a man of faith? Yes. Is it possible that those stones could become bread? Yes. Then why not do it? Why not do it? According to Jesus. Now listen carefully. According to Jesus, he couldn't do it. That's right. He said, oh, I can't accept that. Well, then you don't accept the Bible. Because Jesus said, I can of my own self do nothing. 
I only say what I hear him say. Who is saying turn the stones into bread? Not God. So how can Jesus have faith in the Father about this? And he takes him up on the pinnacle of the temple and tells him, throw yourself off because it's written. You got scripture for it. Are there a lot of folks that said they had scripture for something? But it wasn't real faith. Throw yourself off. Has he heard from the Father about jumping off of this thing? (laughs) Then should he jump off? (laughs) And neither should you. (laughs) Come on, can you see this? You have to hear from him. Say it out loud. I have to hear from him. Say it again. I have to hear from him. I have to. I have to. I can't just pull something off the top of my head. Say I'm going to believe this. Oh you can. But it will come to nothing. And it will be phony. It will look sound like faith to people that don't know. But it's not real faith. Now go with me to our beloved Mark 11, 23 and 24. In closing. Because I know some of you have been thinking about it. If not you would be soon. One way or the other. Mark eleven twenty three and 24. One reason we know about this verse and are familiar with this verse is because of our beloved Brother Kenneth E. Hagin. Or as we sometimes lovingly call Brother Dr. Dad. <laughs> Who, as a teenager, was bedfast there in uh, North Texas at the age of 15 and 16 some of the best doctors in the country said he had to die could not live nobody in his condition had ever lived past 16 years of age and when he started getting close to that age he went just the way that they said he would he lost uh, ability to move he was paralyzed couldn't bedfast he was born with a, a heart defect he, in addition to that, he had an incurable blood disease. <laughs> and so if one of the things hadn't killed him, a couple of the other ones would have. They, no hope, no hope. Impossible. But, as he said, as a Baptist boy, reading Grandma's Methodist Bible, <laughs> he got some light. He describes it sometimes as maybe like the light that would come through a keyhole. Just a little bit of light on Mark eleven twenty three and 24. And verse 24 in particular. Therefore I say unto you, Jesus said, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And he began to, he began to, to think, could this be true? I desire a well body. I desire not to die as a teenager, but to live and have a life. I desire to live and not die. Could it be true? Could this be true? And he sent word to preachers and pastors to come. He wanted to ask them about this. And most of them never came. And the one that did come, he couldn't talk. His his tongue and throat was paralyzed. And he was trying to, to, to point to the Bible and trying to tell him, does this mean what I think it does? Does it mean I can believe I receive and be healed? But all he could get out is, uh, 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 and couldn't enunciate any words. 
And so the pastor took his hand and took it in his and patted it and said, just be patient, my boy. In a few more days, it'll all be over. And he said when the pastor left, he said it was the light was shining bright outside, but it was dark in there. No, all his hope was gone. But somewhere or another, as days passed and weeks passed, he, he was prompted to go back and look at it again. And it was hard for him to do in his condition, but they helped him. And, and, and he, he began to get it in his mind and heart that this is true. This is true. I, I can believe I receive. I can believe I receive. And so uh, at one point, he was saying, Father, Lord, I believe this. I believe this. Even if you told me yourself, you're not believing. I'd say, no, that's not true. I'm believing. And he said something came to him and said, you believe as far as you know. Does that sound like the condition of the man? I believe. What? Help my unbelief. Now, see, some folks would take that and say, well, now, it says what things soever you desire. So that means anything I desire. Anything. Don't take one verse apart from all the rest of the Bible. It has to go together. I said it has to go together. Do you still need to hear from him in order to have faith? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. What if I say, well, you know, I desire somebody else's house and money. I'm going to believe I receive it. He says, whatever I desire. Brother Hagin said he had a guy come to him one time, ask him to agree with him that uh, another man's wife would leave him and he could have her. And he was married himself. Well, it says what things serve you desire. <laughs> no, see, you don't take the scripture away from all the other scripture. It has to flow together. Jesus said, if you don't abide in me, you can't bear any fruit. But if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done to you. Thank you Lord. Do you still need to hear from him? Yes. Let's talk about Brother Hagin's miracle. It wasn't just technically, mentally claiming Mark eleven twenty four that got him off that bed. He heard from God. He believed Mark 11:24 was true and real and right and stayed bedfast for months and months and months still. Does anybody remember his testimony? When did the miracle happen? When did the impossible that men said become possible for him? Well, he was frustrated. He said, "Lord, I believe." I believe. You said, believe you receive. I believe I receive a well body. But he's bedfast. I believe I receive a well body. But he's bedfast. Week after week, month after month. And finally, in frustration one day, he, he, he told the Lord, Lord, I, I'm believing. And you said, and if you came here and looked me in the face and said, well, your problem is you're not believing. He said, I'd say, no, Lord, I'm believing. I am believing. And it's when the Lord said to him, you believe as far as you know. And then the Lord said to him, now you believe you're well. He made an adjustment about that. And he quit being frustrated. How many know God is never your problem? 
Come on, get a revelation. You are not waiting on God. He's not holding out on you. Come on, tell me what the problem is over and over and over and over again. Unbelief. 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 He made an adjustment. He would see, he he wasn't believing anything was happening because he didn't see it, because he didn't feel it. That's what the Lord said to him. You believe as far as you know. Why is he so frustrated? Because of what he doesn't see, doesn't feel. But he said the Lord spoke to him. Now you believe you're well. He said, I do. Now he's not waiting on anything. He made the change. Now you believe you're well. He said, I sure do. Yes, sir, I do. He said, well, well, people ought to be up this time of day. Has he heard from the Lord? Well, people ought to be up this time of day. Get up. Get up. Isn't that what happened over and over in the ministry of Jesus? He came in. What would he say? Rise. Get up. Get up. Take your bed and go. Rise. As you believe. Go your way. Right? Now, when they heard that, could they have faith? Why? Yeah, they've heard it. The anointed word has brought faith to them. See, he believed in the truth of Mark eleven twenty four for months and months and was not healed. But when he made the adjustment in his heart and the Lord told him, get up. Can you have faith to get up now? I said, can you have faith to get up? When did Peter get faith to walk on the water? When the Lord told him, come on, come on. You cannot separate faith. From a living, personal relationship with God. You can't separate faith. Exercising faith and walking by faith from being led by the Spirit. It took Phyllis and I two or three years seeking and waiting on God to have faith to come down here and start a church. Someone say, why? I had to hear from him. I said I had to hear from him. And not just generally. I realized later we we could have bought a bigger place for less money about 20 miles from here. But it would have been the wrong place. We found out later we'd have had problems. We'd have had challenges. You, how many know you got to hear from God every day? Yes. You got to hear from him every day. And you try to have faith when you hadn't heard from him, you're going to have trouble. You're going you're to have failures. But when we finally got it settled, now I can believe it. I can express it to the, the, our partners and the folks in Branson. They can believe it. You could hear it. You could believe it, right? You could believe it. And when you hear it and it's him and it's anointed, you know it. I said, you know it. It's living. It quickens you. And faith has come by hearing the anointed word. And now that you got faith, it's time to rise and walk. I said, it's time to rise and walk. It's time to step out. It's time to do. Not just pulling something out of the air and say, I'm going to believe for this. That's why we're saying take some time. Get your vision list. Check your heart. And then ask the Lord about it. He knows where you are. He knows where your faith is. Is that right? He knows what the plan is for you. And as you pray about it, there might be some things that sound good, but you just know, and I, I don't know about that. You got to hear from him. 
And then when you get it settled in your heart, and that takes some time. That's why a lot of folks don't do it. When you get it settled in your heart, then you put it on there. Then you release your faith. Now you can believe for it. Hallelujah. That's plenty for tonight. Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. Thanks be unto God, the Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth, who never fails, who cannot lie. I said He cannot lie. He cannot lie. He cannot fail. Thanks be unto God. Thanks be unto God. Thanks be unto God, my Creator, my Maker, who gives me songs in the night. Thanks be unto God. Who speaks a quickening word to my heart and my spirit in my time of need. In the time of trial, he brings to me the word. He brings to me the word that brings my faith, that quickens my spirit, that strengthens my soul. Hallelujah. That enables me to rise up and be whole. Oh, somebody lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. Lift up your voice. Say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for your graciousness. Thank you, Lord, for the loving kindnesses. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, I'm not saying that you can't get faith. From just reading a verse in the Bible. You can. You do. All the time. But it's not just the verse you read. If it's the verse for that situation. When you read it. God quickened it to you. Right? And it become personal to you. And you know God spoke to you through that verse. God spoke to you through that message. He spoke to you through that person. He spoke to you. And when that anointed word came to you. It was faith. Hallelujah. Faith came. Let's lift up our eyes. Let's lift up our hands. Let's lift up our hearts. Let's give the Lord thanks. Let's give him praise. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.